week's Art Conversation podcast, we chat to Spencer Trigg, Director at Quanta Recruitment, and take a closer look at Quanta's unique journey over the past 28 years. We also take a look at the changing of technology and tools recruiters have, and the impact of COVID-19 on the recruitment and technology sector. We also check out what Quanta have been putting in place to maintain business as normal. Hope you enjoy. How, how, how has your business developed over time, you know, your background? what made you start up your own business it'd be really good to just dig into that to, to kind of properly kick things off if that's all right yeah sure to start off with it's, it's actually my father set up the business back in 1992. okay so it's his it was his or is his third set startup in recruitment so he's been in recruitment since 1970s so when long before anything else um i think he made one of his first placements across in south africa um where he sent people on the many, many moons ago before we see the, the likes of uh, um, internet or emails or anything like that. Um, but he set up Quantum 1992 um, by himself. Then my co-director joined in about 2001 um, and he set up the life sciences division. So previous to that, my dad's really focused on IT and investment banking and did did well, kept, kept on pressing, but obviously when you hit recessions in IT investment banking, it's quite it fluctuates quite a lot. And what David, my co-director, identified after uh, a year or so of being in the business that we need to try and diversify. And so he started focusing on life sciences as a line of business. And that's now our, our, our main line of business within, within Quanta. Um, and then I joined in 2005 and worked within David in the life sciences division. Then alongside that, uh, I set up the energies division about 2008 and uh, we, we worked across, we still worked in IT in the background, we still do IT, we still focus on data centres as the main core of our IT delivery now. Um, but yeah, so we, we have three lines of business and, and that helps keep that risk down as well when you do face tough times that you, you have a, a three-legged stall rather than having all your eggs in one basket and, and that's why we like to try and drive the business forward and ultimately it is to make sure that people really enjoy coming to work um we, we've always had a sort of a mantra we have five values and, and one of those values is we enjoy what we do um recruit like, recruit like other businesses but it's, it can be quite a hard gig and it, it's not for everyone um and that's whatever sort of division you work in recruitment it, it's it's important to find the right level of person that's that has the aptitude really to go and, and the, the personality characteristic traits that fit that. And for us, it's creating that environment that people genuinely enjoy coming to work. Obviously, we're working at home now, but it's still, they enjoy getting out in the morning, they find themselves being challenged, they find themselves having opportunities. We, we, we again, another thing we strive to do is create an on, entrepreneurial uh, sort of environment where people can carry on going finding opportunities and as a business we will support them to deliver and i think that's the sort of part of the the sort of the characteristics the tapestry of, of quanta if you like that, that fits all together and ensures that people can con- continue to grow yeah it's really interesting as well there's a couple of couple of things you've said there that i want to try and pick out one one is um given given that that value piece and um kind of the way you want people within your business to behave and, and feel do you think that impacts the type of people that you place like do you do you look for those similar values almost subconsciously maybe in 
the candidates coming through your door, or you're not, or is that just not the way it's done? Yeah, I think I think that's a tougher piece, really. I mean, for, for us, um, because we're, we're a, a, a much larger contract recruitment business than we do do staff, and from a contract business, we, we want we build up and we ensure we strive to build up network of individuals. Um, that we have long-term relationships with and, and we actually become friends over the course of 5, 10, 15 years. Um, I know some of my colleagues have been to uh, contractors' weddings, holidays with them and everything else, as I, I have as well. And that's, that's pretty important that we have individuals that we get on with, but, but ultimately there's some people that we, we obviously try and meet or we, we video conference or whatever else. We don't necessarily speak to everyone, uh, sorry, meet with everyone. Um, but what's important, What's imperative really is that we have to ensure that the end client, our clients, have the, the same sort of characteristic traits as those consultants. So consultants, sometimes you just go in and you firefight, you deliver and you're out and you have to deliver technical expertise. But sometimes when it's a longer term contract, then it is important that those people have the same um, characteristic cultural traits as well, because they need to be working together for a longer period of time. But when it's a permanent hire, then it's the candidate doesn't have to follow our cultural beliefs is ensure that they fit into our clients cultural beliefs and equally the client fits into the candidates cultural beliefs um, and characteristics because that's who we're trying to match up we're not trying to match up Qantas character traits with that candidate because they're not coming to work for us they are working for that end client interesting interesting so I guess I'll ask the same question then but but from a client perspective do, do you again it, it's probably sometimes wishful thinking especially at the moment but finding clients that are aligned as much as possible with your values and how you believe business should be operating. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's certainly something we try and aspire to have and work with clients that have similar um, beliefs, value sets as Quanta, because then you really do get that long-term partnership. And we're, we're certainly in the game of trying to build up long-term partnerships with our clients that we work with for, for many years. Um, and you really should get an understanding of what type of individual they're looking for. Um, and that really just adds value and, and helps expedite the whole recruitment process because you know then that sometimes when there is a longer term piece of work that technically uh, someone might be able to do it, but you just know they're not gonna fit into to the team, the, the manager or, or the overall business. So it is, it's really important to understand and try and build those partnerships. And, have that conversation really um, as a recruitment organization and a consultancy it's important to really get to understand um, what the client's culture is all about so then we can really start adding value and, and then sort of making sure that we hit the money on right first time so there, there's something we, we always want to do and, and that's for us I mean you sort of maybe digress slightly but you have MSPs in place um, master service providers that, that sometimes sit in between clients and that sometimes can be an issue for us because you don't get to, to speak with the end client but what ultimately happens then is the MSP becomes your client and we do some excellent work some of the our life science team do some exceptional work with one or two of the MSPs because they understand that the MSP is the client and they understand their processes and, and engagement with their type of culture as well as understanding the client's culture and making sure we deliver to them as well. So it's, there's a lot of stakeholders that you have to consider and make sure that obviously we work uh, aligned and and sort of towards a, a common goal, if you like. Yeah, interesting. And the other thing I wanted to pick up on was 
the changing of technology and the tools that recruiters have to do their job well you, you've been in the game a long time you must have seen some changes yeah i mean absolutely i mean i remember back in that question right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean well, i sort of go back many moons like when my dad started up me and my older, my older brother and i so back in 93 94 used to get us coming in and inputting cvs for about a quid 50 an hour if that um, before you had the emails, before you had the internet, people used to either post a CV or fax it in, and we had to then go and um, send it across to, well, literally type out the CV again and save it down to the database. So I seen back in the day what it was like um, when it was before the, the, the dawn of the new era, if you like, and it certainly evolved in terms of then to, to when I joined Quanta 15, 16 years ago. What you, What we're certainly seeing now is there's obviously a, a technology expediting due to COVID-19. I think the, the video conferencing piece has certainly come along um, a lot quicker. I think it would have, everyone would have got to there, but obviously being in, in lockdown has definitely um, sped up that process. And I think it's for the benefit, actually. I think it really, it's really helpful. Uh, there's obviously, there's ongoing technology that's always going to be there to add value. I think sometimes people can get lost in technology, though, perceiving it's going to add value um, and it will it could in certain different recruitment businesses but it's important to remember that recruitment there's huge amounts of different businesses within recruitment and some automation can work really effectively um, for us we we don't believe it's the right way to go at the moment in, in that um, definitely want to automate certain mundane tasks but the touch the sort of the, the art of, of conversation that we're talking about today it's so integral to our business that we won't, we don't want to go down that um, like bot, auto bot piece on your website for a moment because we want to make sure that we pick up the phone to speak to someone where possible when we can get out into the world um, when COVID-19 relaxes a bit to go out and meet people. It's so important for us that we go out and meet our clients, our contractors, our potential um, contractors, our suppliers. It's all about that. Um, communication and building up that partnership across the board now i don't think technology will ever be able to overcome that that relationship building which is so important for our business um, there are certainly items that can help definitely expedite getting contracts out the door uh, crm systems automated timesheet systems that we introduced a few years ago um, again there are definitely uh, technologies that can can add value but i think it's whether you're a recruitment owner, whether you're working recruitment, it's being conscious that how is it going to add value and, and what's the end goal um, is really important to remember at the forefront of it. Yeah, I, we've, we've found um, one of the big themes coming through this pandemic is the importance of your, your partners, the ecosystem of partners you have around your business. Um, you know, the, 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 the ability to pick up the phone um, and ask someone, not in your organization, but part of your sphere of influence of what yeah. would you do here? How would, what would you recommend? Um, and again, we're seeing some of the, some of the more successful, if that's the right word, but the most successful ones kind of at the moment are the ones who have a, um, they're not, they're not trying to do it on their own. Um, how, how important is, is that, has that been to your business? Do you think over the last, well, forever, but for the last few months, certainly. Yeah, I think it's a good point, actually. I mean, we have an ecosystem that we live in. Um, we have a supplier network. And I think over the past few years, 
we've definitely been building out that ecosystem of partners and, and, and ensuring that we actually speak with all of them to really, um, where can they add value and use, utilize their network? Because we have a network, but actually um, Cloudful, for example, I, I know that um, IT managers being out to some of your contacts to ask for connections in terms of who else have you set up in, in America, for example, because we're going through that, that process ourselves. Um, I know with Baldwin, Baldwin's our CRM, we've gone out to them to like, who have they set up in America and, and, and so forth. We have user Zuki partners um, within our finance. We, we utilize them. So again, that ecosystem and that knowledge is so integral because actually it, what I'm always a firm believer of is you go out and seek as much information as possible and speak to as many people. You collate all that information and then as a board, we can make an informed decision on what is the best strategic direction for us to, to go on with. And without that ecosystem of, of talented and great suppliers that are in, are in that same alignment as us, that, that it'd be a lot more difficult to do. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I, I have this theory that um, the recruitment businesses, um, they're at their best when the client sees them as a partner as well. So you know, kind of it, it works both ways. Um, Absolutely, yeah. No, you've got to. I mean, it's it's where you get true value, of, and that's why we say to our our, our sales floor to 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 gain create those partnerships. But equally for me, it's speaking to the ops and the finance teams, that all your suppliers. Make sure you speak to them. Make sure you meet with them because actually, we get great if you get build up that supplier relationship and and work in partnership with them, then it's going to really help you in the good times, but equally in the tough times. Yeah. Um. And and that's how you can really learn from other people's and, and the other companies that those suppliers will support learn learn from them as well have candidates expectations changed now if, if you again it's this this whole this the millennials and, and I've, you can't see me but i've just done the the, 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 the quote unquote sign these millennials that you know the so-called fussy so-and-sos you want this that the other but do, do you see that has has been really significant in terms of their expectations, their demands of, a, of an employer these days, or is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always, I, I lean more on the fence that people are individuals and they, it's very easy to stereotype, but someone that's hungry and, and eager and has a belief about that they want to succeed, it doesn't really matter how old you are. Mm. Um, you've got to have those aspirations and deep down, whatever generation you come from, then they, those people exist. And then they're the people that we like to engage with, whether it's, to hire employees within our business or equally with the suppliers. You, you can sort of quite quickly when you speak to people or even maybe over a couple of times, start to understand whether people really have it, the fire within them, the tenacity to overcome obstacles, um, the, the passion for recruitment. Um, and they're the people we want to we wanna work with. Um, and, and so I, I try and steer away from um, the, the typecasting um, yeah, there, there are obviously there's typecasting for a reason, but I, I personally perceive that you base each individual on an individual basis. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, and and, and I ask because um, obviously there's there's I was reading that the, the, the worst hit group um, for COVID are the um, 17 to 24 year old group, mm. um, and there was someone in one of the mainstream press, and I, what I will call him an old buddy. Do they go our stereotype? without naming names, so I can't get in too much trouble. Um, but he was saying that kind of he, he has no hope for them because they're all going to be really fussy about the type of job that they want when, when the market comes back and this isn't a time, you know, beggars can't be choosers kind of thing. 
and I was really torn with it because I was kind of like, why, why should they have to just take whatever they're given? Why can't they follow their passions and their dreams? And the reason I ask is a bit of a tangent, but the sectors that you, you focus on, renewable energy specifically, that is so important that we get that right and we have a whole generation of people wanting to be in that world. Mm. Um, the, there's a risk that we just take, take the legs out of the whole thing um, from, that, from that youth if we're not careful. So uh, that, that, that was the context of my kind of going down that route. But is, is that renewable energies thing becoming more and more... Let's uh, make sure I phrase this the right way. So for instance, CloudCore, we have a green policy and we want to, we want to be seen as being the, the most green uh, business listed on the AIM market and, and AIM themselves give out certification and run their green kind of credentials. And so I guess my question is, are you seeing that break into the mainstream and it's not just specialist firms or is there still a ways to go on that one? Yeah, I mean, from our office, I mean, where we support renewable energy businesses and organisations around the world, I mean, we support them within offshore wind farms, onshore wind farms, solar, energy for waste. Um, and it's across those industries who are at the forefront of creating green energy um, is where we support individuals going on a contract basis to actually go and uh, program, manage, plan, execute the delivery of the construction of these programs and handing over them to the operations. So it's slightly different because what, what's happened over the past period is, is that obviously the government do um, put, put budget and put um, the whole green energy um, at the forefront of obviously one of the areas that they want to drive the economy forward, which is great. I see it less with like individual organisations setting up a green policy and then looking to hire someone to focus on the green policy. It's not really where we we be sort of supporting sort of support organisations. Right. So it's um, but it is great to see though that from like I said the, the government's perspective they, they they invest in the green energy they sign off on more opportunities for green energy to to actually support our nation um, which is which is really integral actually to the future of us and the, the, the fact that we can actually be part of that and, and provide skilled individuals um, to actually make a difference is something that we're, we're extremely proud of. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that that's an opportunity. And I think on the flip side, you talk about the industries that are so important, equally with life sciences, I mean, the COVID-19 piece at the moment, um, we're, we're very fortunate that we have so many skilled uh, specialists that can that supporting different programs of COVID-19 throughout the world at the moment. We've got over in America, in Europe, and, and over more in Asia pack as well, where um, we've been able to supply skilled contractors very quickly to these clients as they're starting to build up and ramp up very quickly their, their operations all around COVID-19. Um, so again, it's something we're, we're passionately very happy that we've been able to, to make a little bit of a difference by supplying these individuals. And, and I've got to say congratulations to, to the clients and also to the consultants for making themselves available and putting themselves in the forefront of trying to create the vaccine or, or find the, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the diagnostics equipment to try and help us identify it as well. Um, so yeah, it's great.
and I suppose I shouldn't really forget the data centers. I mean, the data center, the, the people working at those and building new data centers, they're still very much coal workers as well, because without the data centers, so sort of supporting the world now for fire, obviously everything's via the cloud, that it wouldn't carry on. So all the data center guys and girls that we have working in the Nordics, in America, in Europe, it, I've got to say congratulations to them and thank, thank them as well for putting themselves going on public transportation to get to the, to the sites where they need to and, and, and deliver the services. Yeah, it's, it's amazing when you just just stop and think, you just saying all that kind of stuff. I, I, I think it's the sort of thing that your everyday person doesn't even realise is happening and how important those people are and the roles they play are to to, to the world in general, really, and, and, and very much honed in on, on, on helping us get through this thing. It's, it's, it's amazing. And what I can hear in your voice, as you say, is, is, is the pride that you have, that you, you, know, you get to play that, that small part and be part of, of, of that. Um, it's bringing that vision and that purpose to life in a really tangible way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. My favourite one has always been the um, you go on a tour on NASA and someone asks the janitor what do they do, and the janitor says, "I'm I'm helping put people on the moon." <laughs> it's, it's that same principle, isn't it? Of if, if you've got a, a team of people who have that vision and can work, and can really see and draw a line from the work I'm about to do helps that vision. Um, yeah, that's, exactly. that's how you get. Good. It, it, it comes from the people like the, the the guys and girls within Quanta that passionately in their lines of business that they work from and equally all in the operations finance team that they know that they're making a difference and yeah every phone call they make every invoice they process every cv they upload or blog they send out all contributes massively to the overall team and like what we have one one of our main values is one team yeah um, and it's together that we succeed and together we will be more powerful than, than working individually um, which yeah. is really important to remember probably a few brands out there that could uh, could do with learning that lesson um i i think there's been it's going to be interesting how it shapes up but i i was quite down on a few well-known retail brands uh, at the start of this thing um but again i potentially foolishly put put my voice in a recording and then it went out on social media and me, me disparaging their brand um but that it was clear that a lot of these organizations were putting putting profit before people profit before purpose um and I think they'll they'll fall. I think I think we're, we're we're about to see a huge change in the whole world. Obviously, we're seeing it in retail, um, but I think it's those organisations that don't have purpose and put that and, and don't just put it on a on a website because the shareholders want to see a purpose on there, but they're doing it because that's what drives every action that they do, and it drives the people they hire and the people's activities. Um, I, I think I think I'm, I'm quietly confident we'll come out of this a better world. Um, yeah, doesn't feel like it today when you read that nine million nine million people are on furlough and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think it's I think it, we will look back on this as a probably the biggest change in history outside of the world wars. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're living through history being made at the moment, and we won't see it for another probably five ten years on, on what, what what that looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Whether what the out, what the full outcomes are, what the change of life is, and whatever else, um, it'd be really intriguing to to see that and look back and reflect on because there'd be some very good decisions that'd be made, and there'd be some decisions that everyone would be like, if only X did that or Y did that, and what if we could have done that instead? 
Yeah. Um, but that's hindsight. Everyone with hindsight would be yeah. would be a millionaire sat on a beach somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> they knew yeah. before, <laughs> before what happened. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What sort of things have, uh, have you done as, a, as an organisation that you think you, you'll keep in place? Um, well, I don't think we've done too much. I mean, we've tried to just be business as normal, to be honest. And I think just trying to have that that level head that look, we're, we've still got business coming in. We're fortunate. We, we're still working in good industries. Our clients are still engaging. And our, our contracts are still engaging. Um, and so it's it's really that piece um, that works well. I think, actually, I think one item we're probably, I mean, like I said before, for us, it's all about going out and meeting clients and, and contracts and, and candidates. There will definitely be trying to engage and use video conferences at an earlier time and probably uh, rather than um, not do that at all. I think that that's probably going to be the key takeaway when we're, when, when we're talking to people across the ponds in America or equally in, in Europe. Um, that to remember that yes, we like to go and meet people, but equally, video conferencing can be a very powerful tool. Um, and to utilize that earlier in the process will certainly have an impact. Um, but like I said, the majority of what we've done is trying to maintain that business as usual so that we haven't really tweaked too many things. Um, and undoubtedly, at the end of this, I'm sure we'll get more more colleagues asking to do some type of remote working of some sort, and we'll we'll review that because people are working effectively remotely. Um, who knows what that looks like? I think that that's going to be a, a changing, probably one of the most pro prolific changes in the working environment altogether across all industries, and on how that looks like. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, apart from that, it, it, it's not, I, I can't really sort of put my hands on, say there's a whole list of different ways of working that we, we will work to actually. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're, uh, you, you'll be alone in that either. I think, I think again, it probably has just, for some accelerated things that were already in motion, um, for others like yourselves, it's just probably confirmed that what you had was right and you just need to keep going and keep pushing and, and, and kind of those small incremental improvements and changes and what will drive you on. Um, but it's, like you say, it's going to be really interesting. I, that one thing's for sure, I'm glad I'm not um, an office landlord at the moment. Um, oh, sorry? An office landlord, I'm, you know, I'm glad I, I'm, I don't own these You'd big shops. You'd be pretty worried if you own a few office blocks in London, that's for sure. I'll tell you what, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a dodgy one at the moment, but, you know, I'm sure they've got enough cash to survive um, yeah good stuff um what about outside of work i mean you sound incredibly busy so uh, what, what do you do to unwind to relax what hobbies all that kind of stuff what's, what's well, on work? i've got twin boys who are two years and four months so that pretty much takes up most of my time yeah. outside no more. yeah <laughs> um i mean what i am trying to do i mean i, I, mean, I go out for a walk most evenings, if not, I, I've got an indoor bike I'm lucky enough to have here. Try and use that for half an hour. I'm currently working my way through the Marvel film, starting at the start, going on the chronological order. So I've got, I'm trying to do one film a week, so I get about two hours on the bike, um, about 50 kilometers a week. And that's 23 weeks I've got lined up. And after that, I'm going to do the Star Wars. Um, so yeah, proper geeky, get, get, get caught up with all the Disney stuff and try and keep a bit fit at the same time. Um, I love a barbecue. Uh, had a barbecue built in my back garden, which I, I use probably a couple of times a week at least, providing it's not obviously raining. 
too heavily. Um, but uh, yeah, it's family. I mean, love the family and to spend so much time with them and trying to get back and relax and have a glass of wine or two on the weekend when I'm not working. But yeah, part, uh, before lockdown happens and used to go out and socialise with, with friends, obviously, Tottenham fans. So go up to Tottenham and, and take clients and friends and whatever else to some of the matches there. Um, uh, yeah, just uh, enjoy myself as much as possible, really. I think you have to. Yeah, definitely. When we talk about working from home, that previously, if you're working, my perception's always been, if you're working from home and you're in a, a WebEx or a call, if there's a, a screaming kid in the background or a kid runs into the room, it was usually perceived to be how unprofessional you might be working remotely, but you should still have an office space. But I think that sort of that, that concept has sort of gone because people realise now that, yeah, lots of people, everyone's working from home and people have families and you can't control a two-year-old screaming. Um, they cry when they want to cry or younger than that. And yeah, sometimes they get away from, from your respective partner and run into a room and just want to say hello. Um, and, and that's life, isn't it? Yeah. It's certainly, when you, I mean, I've had it with clients and, and candidates and that's just life. Uh, it's, it's, it, people don't, there's not the, oh no, the, the perceived um, wrongness of that. And it's lovely being at home, just going out, getting a coffee and seeing them and, and it's such a such a special time when they get to that sort of that one to three year olds time yeah. frame to see them really sort of grow and um sort of yeah just mature really as a baby into a toddler yeah and then into a little young young man or girl it's it's i've loved it to be fair it's been fantastic yeah. apart from when they cry yeah they could do it i still wish they'd invented a volume button on these kids but, yeah absolutely uh, well, and whoever does they they will cool. they will be a millionaire on a beach if anyone invents that yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. I, since the start of lockdown, um, our, our two-year-old, when well, he, he turned to a couple of weeks ago, um, but when at the start of this, he couldn't reach the door handles, and now he can. So it used to be you could just put him in a room, um, and you'd be fine. You knew where he was, what he was doing, but now he could just help himself to whatever he wants. Um, but it's just life. I, I think it's great, and I think I think you're right. I think it's the the attitude to how people work from home. Um, and they're not going to be locked into a nine to five and eight to four or whatever it is. It will be a, you work when you can around the people and the environment that you're in. Um, but we'll all be focused on the outcome and the performance. Um, and that's the bit that matters. Are you contributing and performing the way you should? And if you are, I don't care where you are, how you do it. Perfect. Yeah. But appreciate it. And, and like we said last week, when we can actually all finally meet up in person, we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it properly. And... Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to that. Absolutely perfect. You take care. Have a great Thank day. You. Appreciate time as always. Yeah. Take care. Bye now. Yeah. Bye.